This is the 10 Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nonsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 57 is brought to you by Blueberry Markets. If you've listened to this channel for any length of time, you know that trading is the most recession-proof thing you could possibly do. If you haven't started, get started. Protect yourself. And one way to protect yourself is to sign up with the broker with the number one customer service in the world. You already know. It's Blueberry Markets. If you click the link down below in the description, we'll take you to the blog that gives you all the information you have to know up front. And if you click the link in that blog, which is at the bottom, you'll receive a cashback bonus and your own personal customer service representative that will be right there should anything ever go wrong. This is only available to people outside of the United States. If you're within the United States, you know I got you covered too. See that link down below as well. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and did you know, so far, during this crypto crash, 35 exchanges, 35 crypto exchanges, have closed down completely. And this data was from about a week and a half ago, uh, so by now it could be more. And all of that money has to go somewhere. We're seeing not only a game of survival, but positioning within this space. And when it comes to exchanges... Don't sleep on this space because next to Bitcoin, in my mind, I'm saying even more so than Ethereum. Investing in the exchanges that are going to win at the end of the day and carry us into the next decade, that's a place I really want to be. Now, before it was kind of tough. So many of them out there, so many of them did different things. Some were old, some were new, some were international, some weren't. Um, But this picture just got a lot easier to figure out, didn't it? Everybody's got to buy their crypto somewhere. Everybody's got to trade somewhere. And all of us on here are buying crypto for the next 5 to 10 years. Now, seeing as how 90% of crypto is not going to make it, and that's probably a very low number, investing in some of these exchanges, although they don't quite offer the upside of some of the other things we've talked about so far, though I think that could really change in the future, is a great way to make sure that you are investing in the crypto versions of the next Amazon and Facebook for the next 10 years. And if you can get on board with one of those, once things start kicking off again, approaching those old highs shouldn't be much of a problem. And then the only question is, how much further can it go? And if we're comparing this to Amazon and Facebook, well, it can go pretty far. (laughs) Like really, really far. But I think a lot of people in the crypto space, and remember who those people are, see these tokens as slow movers. Really just utility tokens, not tokens to actually invest in. As a contrarian, I think they're passing up on a big opportunity. So let's go ahead and get down into things. I'm going to take five of the largest crypto exchanges out there that I feel like I'm qualified to speak on. Now you guys know we love Bybit here on the podcast, but to avoid any kind of bias, I'm going to leave this one out. Uh, You can invest in them too through their BitDAO token, Uh, but I can mostly only talk about the ones that get a lot of press stateside. Uh, because that's just what you hear about the most, you know, if you're over there. So let's begin with Gemini. Now, Gemini is weird because you can't really invest in it, uh, but it's also an easy one to eliminate. Um, they're having a lot of regulatory pressure right now. And in one of the weirder occurrences out there, uh, the Winklevoss twins, who own Gemini, have gone on tour with their band. And on Twitter, in their bio, have taken all credentials and information about Gemini out of their bio and replaced it with stuff about their band. Uh, If I was an investor, I'd be not so happy about that. 
You know, Gemini to me almost seems like a boomer platform at this point. I think they've had their time. Their stablecoin just keeps falling in the ranks compared to the other ones. And I think we can eliminate this one right away. So let's move on to a really big one. That's going to be Coinbase, who does not have an investable token, but does have a stock, of course. Um, so I'll just come off the bat and say it. Who out there is really optimistic about Coinbase right now? I talked about this in one of my blogs. They were super compliant up front with the federal government. And in return, the federal government has pissed on them every single chance they have gotten. Now there's layoffs. You now it's just things just aren't trending in the right direction. Now is Coinbase going to be fine down the road? I think so. Um, but are they going to dominate the space? I think the chances of that are a lot less than they were before. And also with my skepticism, I think Coinbase being a stock and receiving all the fanfare it did when the IPO came out, this was TradFi's green light to just destroy the shit out of it. And tell the rest of the TradFi investing world, look, if you think you're going to be a believer in this new technology and this new way of doing finance, allow us to remind you that you have made the wrong choice. And there was no more public way to do that than the short Coinbase. And this stock has taken a nosedive ever since it came out. As cheap as it gets, I will not be buying it. You know, because at the end of the day, there's just better options out there. And there's people out there saying, too, there's, you know, there's no way Coinbase is going to zero. If it gets cheap enough, I'll buy. I'm not 100% convinced Coinbase cannot go to zero. I'm about 90% convinced. Uh, but this company is just tainted right now. And those same TradFi people, the one to make an example out of Coinbase and short it, in order to set an example, would like nothing more than for it to go to zero. You know, so you're going to see some opposition from that side. All right, so two down. Moving on to Crypto.com, a company that I have a lot of experience with. I've been with Crypto.com and their credit card and their exchange for probably the better part of two years, maybe more. You know, I've been with them through all the ups and downs. I was around back when the token was called MCO. And I got a sweet deal for changing those in. Uh, now, as many people know, we've been talking about this a little bit in Discord. You know, a lot of the things that made Crypto.com really great. Now, the, the credit card to me already is great. It's the only credit card I can use internationally with almost never a problem. I get CRO every time I use it. Super easy to top up. Uh, the card looks really cool, even though mine is super beat up because I use it so much. I can barely read the numbers on the back of it anymore. But... Their staking options, in particular the ones for stablecoins, are completely hacked and almost non-existent anymore. The amount of crow you can earn has been harshly capped. And now, if you like to top up your card with a debit card or a credit card, that's going to cost you 1% as well, which really cuts into any kind of benefits you might be getting long term. Now, I said this before, it seems like they were smart in doing all this right when they did. Because after a certain date, anybody who was giving really high rates of return on anything, especially if you were CFI, uh, but even if you weren't, like Bancor, that whole game's done. We've mentioned that on the channel too. Yeah, you got to get it while it's there, because at any given moment, it could all go away. But by hacking their rewards down to nothing, I think they survived a lot of regulatory pressure that ended up falling on other companies. So overall, long term, that's probably a good thing. I mean, a lot of the things that made them so attractive you know, are just no longer there. Plus, and here's the thing that really bothers me, and I don't think a lot of people think about stuff like this, but that's why you listen to this podcast, right? Is you guys know they went so over the top crazy 
with their advertising. Like back when I published a blog talking about what I thought was a steal when they sponsored the UFC, I didn't think they were going to go much further than that. I didn't think they were going to sponsor the arena where the Los Angeles Lakers play. I didn't think they were going to sponsor all of F1. I didn't think they were going to sponsor the World Frickin' Cup. This takes extraordinary amounts of money, and they did all of this in a super bull market. Which makes me think, did they really expect the bear market to get this bad? Are they prepared for that? Or is there a bit of a washout coming that we just haven't seen yet? You know, when you pay for this advertising, you can't take it back. So I feel like they certainly could be around in 5 or 10 years. But as a user, I am not taking any chances. I pulled all of my coins off the exchange. Save a little tiny bit of Ethereum for gas fees if I want to do something later. You know, I still do buy my crypto from there. It is my number one place to do that. But I just have a sinking feeling that we have not seen the last when it comes to some of the real hurdles that Crypto.com might be up against down the road. Plus, I already get CRO token by using the card. So I'm just, I don't really care about it. It's just, I have it. It's there. I'm not even excited about it. So then there were two. Two companies that I think are going to be the new titans of crypto going forward. Now let's start with one that already is, and that's going to be Binance with their BNB token. You know, I don't know anybody out there does bullish content on the BNB token. Um, And really, I wouldn't have cared much about it up until right now because... Like I talk about all the time with crypto, with the metaverse, with everything. When the tide comes out, we can see who was swimming naked. And that makes our decisions so much easier. We didn't have the information on these companies that we have now. They did a really good job of hiding it from us. That or we just didn't want to know or we didn't care. That's why bear markets are so great. We're not buying blind anymore. Markets go up and markets go down. It's really important that we know how these things perform when markets fall. Are you dying or are you taking advantage of the companies who are? I know whose side I want to be on. Now, I caught an interview with CZ about a week ago. He even said, he's like, we're really not interested in acquiring companies. That's not going to be our model. We just want to grow and expand what we already have. So not only are they doing that, they're actually hiring in a bear market where everybody else is scaling back. Now, I know this podcast listenership is about 40% American, and Americans don't quite have the outlook on Binance that most of the rest of the world does. Binance is the international crypto company. They are known and loved everywhere. Now, if you don't believe me when I say how big it is, BUSD is number six on CoinGecko. Did you ever think you'd see the day? Now, I know stable coins are all high right now because the market's down, but you know USDT and USDC are completely independent of any exchange. BUSD is only used on Binance, and it's number six. You know, a lot of Americans, you know, we remember the old DeFi summer when they had like a a lot of really low-end, crappy projects, and it just seemed like they were letting anybody on, and their reputation did take a hit. You know, people were calling them the Walmart of the crypto space. Well, I don't know about you, but I would love to invest in Walmart in a bear market. Imagine if you just did that every time there was one. You know, so many people overseas, they use Binance to pay their bills, to send money, obviously to buy and trade. You know, the credit card's big. This company is a big deal, and so much of its international competition is gone now. 
If you're Binance, you don't even have to buy these companies because their clients are just naturally going to come to you. Now, Binance has had some regulatory issues here and there, but they have powered through them pretty well. You know, when you're that big and you're expanding to this many countries, there are going to be some hurdles there. But I like the way they've navigated them. And the BNB token is going on my watch list. Now, right now, we've kind of had a rally this week, so you can no longer get a 3x from the high. Just under a 3x. I'll take it. I mean, you tell me what's wrong with a 3x with that little downside, in my opinion. You know, if I eat my words, I eat my words, but Binance is a monster. And they are only getting bigger throughout this bear market. And the price is not really reflecting that. I really like those combination of things. Now, the final company I want to talk about is FTX. Now, I've done a piece on Sam Bakeman fried on my blog, and you guys might be thinking I'm developing a bit of a, a man crush on the guy. Uh, not yet. You know, he is Mr. Centralization. He is everything this industry was never designed to be. And for that reason, I think he's going to get a lot of investors out there, you know, a lot of real Bitcoin purists, for example, that are never going to throw their money his way. But as a businessman, and in case you're not quite up to speed, we're talking about investing in businesses here. As a businessman, you tell me, who's doing it better? In the crypto space? I can't think of anybody. You know, Charles Hoskinson, maybe, but in a totally different way. I mean, Sam Bankman-Fried is playing big stack poker, like an American entrepreneur is supposed to. You're supposed to gobble up their competition when they're weak. You know, a lot of these people do it when they're not weak. Really, all the acquisitions that Amazon and Facebook made weren't when those companies were down. You know, they were just kind of new. Yeah, you know, like WhatsApp and Instagram, for example, you know, those companies weren't hurting. You know, but a good CEO sees the value. In this case, not only is he seeing value, but he just bought BlockFi up for a song. Now, it's weird. I don't know the full details on this, if it's been finalized or not, but I saw a lot of tweets the day it happened. This was back on the 2nd of July. And I still don't really know if this thing is a completely done deal or if it's like Elon Musk buying Twitter. To where half of Twitter threw a huge party for no reason. But despite your thoughts on BlockFi as a company, their client base alone is worth so much more than what he paid for it. A lot of really wealthy people had their money in BlockFi. That was the safe, smart way to earn interest on your crypto. A fully backed, regulated company that was worth $400 billion at its peak bought for around $240 million. You know, If I'm investing in a company, I want the owner of that company to be a ruthless prick who is able to see and do things before other people are able to see and do them, and that is exactly what we have here. Now, I know the FTX exchange is mainly focused in the United States. Um, I think he, they're also in Japan, Canada through the BitVo acquisition, a few other places. Um, but it doesn't really matter how widespread this exchange is. If you can eventually be number one in the States, that's a really big thing. I don't know if any of you guys have ever run a business to where you sell to pretty much the entire world. Uh, but once you do that, you realize just how much of an absurd amount of money is in the United States. I'm born and raised there. Even I didn't know. I'm like, well, there's rich people everywhere. There's rich people in France. There's rich people in Japan. You know, there's rich people in Egypt. And there's rich people everywhere. Now, I never knew it was that heavily weighted. So if you can win the United States, really doesn't matter what else you win. Now, getting your hands on that FTT token, not the easiest thing in the world to do. For what it's worth, you are looking about a 3x gain 
if it approached its old high, which at this rate is, uh, to me, better than a 50-50 shot, fair to say. <laughs> I mean, I think it's much higher. And I won't talk about all the ways to purchase the token on this podcast. It may take a little bit of creativity based on where you are. But this one's going on my watch list too. As a long-term buy and holder, I want to back the big boys. And I want to do it in a bear market while there's still time to get in cheap. Because if these end up being the titans of crypto, the prices we see during this downturn will probably be the cheapest prices we ever see again. You know, not all DeFi platforms are going to make it. Not all layer ones are going to make it. And not all exchanges are going to make it. But if you can back the two or three exchanges that are probably going to make it, you really have something. And I want it. Now, you know why you don't see most YouTubers and podcasters talking about BNB and FTX? As good of his investment, I think it is. Is because the upside is not as exciting. Yes, a 3x upside to the high is just not exciting enough for their audience. They probably think I'm crazy for making a podcast like this. Well, guess what, Mr. Moonboy YouTuber? My audience is not your audience. And we are not crazy. We're just early.